Sports Station 104 The presents Stokely and Zach. D'Amico Ryans is emerging as, well, I want to say the top candidate, but Mike Kliss says he's emerging as a top candidate. We're going to get some clarification on that. And the difference between uh and the (laughs) here is kind of significant. Yeah, that's big. That's a a big, big difference. Uh, I think he is the top candidate because it's the only thing that explains why they've done nothing this week. It's It's not the only thing that explains it. It's not the only thing. Robson Walton being at a hunting lodge and, you know, wherever Mm -hmm. could explain it, would explain it. We could probably sit here and brainstorm some other explanations, but it is the one that makes the most logical sense because he's the only candidate they can't do anything with this week. Everybody else they could. They could hire any of the other eight candidates, and I am counting Jerry Rosberg. The only one that is somebody who is off limits this week for anything is D'Amico Ryans. Like that, that to me is the obvious reason why they're not doing anything. You're right; it's not the only one, but it's the obvious one. I, I just I can't make my own mind up, and I don't have enough information to arrive at any conclusion. But I can't decide if D'Amico Ryans was the top candidate when the Broncos went radio silent or he became that over the course of the last five or six days um, because of stuff that is separate from D'Amico Ryans. Uh, Six days ago was uh, Jim Harbaugh still in play for the ownership group. Six days ago was Sean Payton very squarely. I think he was. I mean, I I think we would agree on that, right? Six days ago, Sean Payton was very much squarely in the mix. He interviewed with the Denver Broncos, right? Um, So... I don't know um, how we got here with D'Amico. Did he just absolutely shred the interview process? Well, it's that's just, what we're going to hear. It's just one It's just one interview, and yes, we are going to hear that. And he probably did. He probably did, but you're, we, you're right. You said, I think when we were talking to Brock, you said, we don't know that. That's 100% right. He might have he been terrible, and everybody else was worse. That's a, but, but you, could, you can win the race and not run very well. Sure. Right? Or he could have been fantastic, and everybody else was fantastic, too. We we don't know. Jim Harbaugh went out of the equation the Monday before they interviewed D'Amico Ryan. So he was out of the equation four days before. So I think it's public that, Publicly. Right. I don't know if that was ever actually the case. Right, but that was, I remember, it was uh, coming back into town, and that news was breaking, so it was that Monday that we all found out about yep. it. So that means when the Broncos went into the D'Amico Ryan's interview, they knew they were looking for plan B. Right, because I, I do believe Jim Harbaugh was Plan A. Yeah, he was my number one choice. Uh, that's what I wanted the that, where I wanted him to go. I thought he had the best resume by a mile. Agreed, because he's won everywhere. Yes, he has. Um, and I thought he was the best chance. It, he, n- nobody's a hundred percent that they're going to come in and fix it. I thought he was the closest to a hundred percent. So if you go into the Thursday interview with D'Amico Ryan's, you're like, okay, who have we already talked to? All right, what are they saying? And then he just blows you away. That does change the equation. Because you had to pivot, and I think you you need to be able to pivot. If you go into this, and with the two most famous examples are Sean McVay with the Rams and Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. Yep. Two guys that 
they weren't atop the list before the interview, and then after they came in and talked to the the owners and the GM and whoever was on the hiring committee, they blew him away, and they said, we'd be foolish not to hire that guy. My hope is that's what happened with D'Amico Ryan's. Because then that's an organization. That is my hope, too. You speak for the both of us here because ultimately we should be rooting for whatever's best for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Regardless and, of the human being. And I think there's there's another part of this. And look, again, I am Team Russ. I think Russ is going to turn it around. But if they go with D'Amico Ryans, and it's because he blew them away in the interview, that tells me that Russell Wilson was a very small percentage of the equation. The, oh, you, how are you going to fix Russ? Because if it was how are you going to fix Russ, it, it would be Sean Payton. It would be Jim Caldwell, probably be David Shaw, right? Like a, a defensive guy who's a first-time head coach is about who's the, be- who's the best guy for the Broncos for the next five to ten years. Maybe that's with Russ. Maybe it's not. But I feel like the Russell Wilson part of the equation, I won't say it's zero because I'm sure it came up, and I'm sure it's, hey, what are you going to do on offense? That, ha- that has oh, to be part of the plan. Yeah. But it, I don't think the plan is – well, and here's, here's the other part. It's very. It's much easier to bring in an offensive coordinator with D'Amico Ryans to fix Russ, and if Russ is unfixable, move on to a different offensive coordinator than a head coach to fix Russ. If Russ is unfixable, what do you do then? So hire the right head coach, and if he's on the defensive side of the ball, that offensive piece is very interchangeable. When you decide to change from Russ, if you do, fine. Then Brian Schottenheimer gets shown the door too. Well, yeah, I was going to say because – if Russ doesn't work this year, the Broncos are probably moving on from Russ and eating yeah. whatever money that they have to. And I don't even necessarily know if you'd be moving on from that OC. Maybe, because, maybe not. Because, by the way, that would be the fourth play caller to try to fix Russ. But if you brought in three of them this year, if you brought in Sean Payton to fix Russ and gave up draft picks and paid tw- paid him twenty million dollars a year, and he can't fix Russ, he's a good enough coach. That you probably would have wanted him anyway. Yeah, yeah. But you would also be like. Man, that was his number one thing was to fix Russ, and he couldn't do it. Yeah, but if I take a vase and throw it on the ground and it shatters everywhere and I, you can't fix it, that's not necessarily a you problem. But well, if, you, but like if I brought Russell you Wilson, in because you were the best glue man in the world, yeah, right, right. But, and I paid you $20 million to fix it, I'd be ticked that you couldn't do it. Yeah, but Russ might not be fixable, James. I know you still, I know, I know you believe that he's going to get fixed, but he, he was so bad this year. And every time we talk about Russ, I, I just want to acknowledge just how horrible he was at playing professional football for the Denver Broncos this year. There's nowhere to turn on that. Everyone agrees, outside of a handful of people in this specific market who believe that he's going to be comeback player of the year. I do. No, I know you do. No one else, uh, no one else is talking like that because it was so bad and woefully short of expectation. He was a bottom five starting quarterback. So I'm not telling you you don't live in reality, but to, to, to I just want to acknowledge that Russell Wilson might be too far gone that he just might never pan out for the Denver Broncos I, ever. I'm with you, but and that's he, probably the most likely thing given what we saw this. Past I disagree. Year. So he, and here, he, here would be my thing. Whoever comes in here, whether it's the head coach or it's uh, D'Amico Ryan's as offensive coordinator, their job with Russell Wilson or their assignment is, how do you take the first half against the Raiders in Vegas, the first quarter against the Chargers in L.A., the final drive against the Niners, the final drive against the Jaguars, the last two games, right? There's multiple small samples. Yeah. How do you make those the norm instead of the exception? That's the job. It it was crazy because we literally just had the same conversation from the year before. It's like, how do you take that 
the the first half against the Panthers, the third, the fourth quarter against the Chargers, and have Drew do this all the time. The most likely well, but Drew scenario. Drew didn't do it for a decade either, though. Uh, true, very true. But 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 while we get joined by Cliss, think of another example in NFL history where a quarterback burned as bright as Russ did, has fallen on as hard times as Russ has, and then somehow found the light again for the for for larger than a half of a season. Kurt I just, Warner. I I think it's very very <laughs> very hard to find those examples. It it is, um, it is. I have one, and I, I, it popped in my head. I don't have another one. That's it. Mike Kliss uh, of Nine News joins us here. Mike, we appreciate your time. We know you put out uh, an article here just moments before we got on the air. We bumped up your interview time about an hour so we could touch base with you. Go ahead and catch our listeners up with what you released um, a little over an hour ago. Yes, uh, D'Amico Ryans is definitely a top, if not the top, uh, candidate that the Broncos are looking for in this uh, head coaching search. And, um, you know, he's it's between uh, the Broncos and Houston. Houston, you know, the what I've been told is Houston's very interested in him also. So we'll see how that uh, all breaks down. But, uh, you know, I, I think Dan Quinn is uh, is there and, Sean Payton's not uh, completely eliminated, and, and Jim Caldwell, they're still talking to. You know, Penner has talked, even though he's had just the one interview with, with the eight candidates, um, or seven, I guess I should say, he's, you know, he's been in contact uh, with these guys. And, um, you know, since then, to get a feel for them, to, uh, to get to know the candidates a little better. And D'Amico is uh, someone they're very, very impressed with. You know, he's, I know he's, they, they wanted experience, but uh, this guy, you know, with, with his, as thin as his resume is, it's very impressive. Um, people are speaking very highly of him and kind of comparing him to, uh, to Mike Tomlin when he came out 16 years ago and, uh, you know, some of these other, some of these other coaches, uh, you know, Zach Taylor, uh, came out, uh, even though he's an offensive guy, uh, he had a very thin resume and it worked out for him. So they, they, Penner wasn't, uh, close minded to the experience. He kept an open mind and D'Amico Ryan's, uh, you know, came to the forefront, uh, at least right now. He's, he's someone that I, that I do believe they would like to reel in. Mike, there are two uh, different ways to become the top candidate. One is you're the top candidate at 10 o'clock at night at the first drink, and the other one is it's 2 o'clock and the lights are coming on and you're settling your tab. Uh, which one is it here with, with D'Amico Ryans? Was it, uh, man, oh, the, the top ones are gone, or how, how does this go? Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure this out here. Uh, <laughs> I usually don't know what I'm doing when the tab comes at 2, I guess. So I'll I'll go with the former. That it's uh, well. Look, I, I don't know how, I don't know what to do with that uh, metaphor or analogy. But uh, well, I think what he's asking is I mean I think what he's asking is Mike. We've had radio silence for about five or six days, and we're trying to figure out was D'Amico Ryan's the uh, five or six days ago was this ownership group burning as hot as they are today on him, or did other stuff not fall the way that they wanted, and you've arrived at this point. I think uh, I think the fact that there was radio silence and you had one candidate um, 
that was left playing in the uh, uh, championship game, and you can't talk to him till next week. Uh, I, you know, I think they'd settled on this for a while. I, I, I think that explains the radio silence. You know that uh, uh, D'Amico Ryan's uh, they couldn't talk to him, and uh, you just had to be patient. There's there's nothing you can do. You know, you you, you can't talk once. Uh, uh, you know, they talked to him Thursday of last week. And that was the last chance to until after the championship game now. So, um, you know, that first of all, uh, it should have been putting two and two together that he was the top candidate. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've uh, pretty much uh, talked to some people where, uh, I'm, you know, that he, he is, he's a, he's a front runner. Let's put it that way. The leader in the clubhouse. So, yeah. Okay. So I'll, well, Take your word for it here. We, we heard some of this yesterday that he was gaining momentum, and here you come out um, sort of, um, you know, matching up and synchronizing what, what we heard yesterday. But you say, like, we should have put two and two together here. <sighs> Mike, it wasn't more than five, four or five days ago that the reporting was Sean Payton and the Broncos are moving towards each other. I mean, these were, these were legitimate reports from legitimate reporters saying that, hey, these, these guys are – they're moving in the same direction, and it's a super, 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 with a capital S, convenient thing that D'Amico is still coaching that would explain the radio silence. But during that time, we've had other reporting contradicting that. And also, I, you're going to have to forgive me, man. It is really hard for me to reconcile that the aim at the start of this coaching search revolved around one word experience and D'Amico yeah. in the most literal sense is the least experienced candidate not saying he's not the right candidate not saying he can't have success but the aim at the start of the search within the past 10 14 days was the central theme and not only does he not have the head coaching experience which what the ownership group was looking for he's got the least amount of coaching just experience in general that since me and Stokely have been on the air here in Denver he was the defensive quality control coach. So it's hard for me to to reconcile the aim and then where the ownership group is landing within a two-week span. Well, they they did swing. Uh, there were two big candidates going into this search. I mean, two of the, the, the highest profile and most successful candidates, the strongest candidates, maybe in, in 20 years. Um, you yep. know, since Belichick and Parcells yep. were exchanging uh, jobs in Harbaugh and Sean Payton. And Penner and the Broncos put both of those guys on their list. Um, but they wanted to go through the uh, uh, go through the process. You know, they didn't uh, – maybe they were the leaders uh, going into this search. Uh, Harbaugh uh, was a – both the, the problem was both of them had uh, strings attached. Harbaugh with his university, his alma mater, and was under contract with, uh, and even though he wants a new contract, still a pretty solid, strong contract with Michigan, coming off uh, a lot of success. And when it's your alma mater, I think that uh, tugs on you emotionally and, you know, the heartstrings a little bit more than, uh, say, had he been, you know, the 49ers head coach, uh, like he was uh, 10, 12 years ago. So, um, you know, there there was extenuating circumstances with him, and he decided to go back 
uh, to a school. And and the Broncos, you know, the process was a little, regardless of whether uh, Greg Penner was deliberate and methodical in this process, you know, the NFL, um, you know, with the Rooney rule, um, interviewing uh, two uh, uh, two external minority uh, coaches. I mean, it's uh, the NFL has set this thing up so you have to be methodical. It takes a couple weeks to get through uh, all the interviews, and and Penner was, you know, he he wanted to to sit down and and meet with all these guys. And I'm not sure Harbaugh, especially after last year, when he thought he was getting the Minnesota job and he didn't get it. I I think that. You know, he didn't want to go through that again to where, you know, he lost out to Sean Payton was probably what he what he might have been thinking, you know, to go through this process and wait two weeks uh, while they're trying to recruit. Um, and, and, you know, so he made the decision rather, you know, after about a week, that was enough. He wanted a decision one way or the other. And so he went back to Michigan. And then Sean Payton... Um, I'm not exactly sure where things, um, and and from what I understand, Sean Payton is still alive in this process. But um, you know, there there are a couple of reasons why the Broncos uh, backed off, and and really the there's some real strong strings attached to him with the draft picks, and and the draft picks by itself, I don't think would have would have prevented the Broncos, but the fact that they gave up draft picks last year. Now you got two years in a row. You're going to give up, uh, you know, multiple uh, draft picks, including uh, upwards uh, at least three, possibly four first round draft picks. That's that's just hard to do. And uh, you know, I think there were other reasons besides that. I, you know, maybe Greg Penner just, uh, you know, I I don't know where it stands with Sean Payton, but um, well, they Mike, did. Mike, Mike, they did cancel that interview. Or, or they, they didn't cancel the interview. They never really set the interview. And and the reports you were getting, if I'm not mistaken, uh, came from the uh, reporters that were that were from the Sean Payton camp, if it, as it were. What I was gathering all along was that I never cons- I never thought Sean Payton was a leader in the clubhouse at any time during this process. I never did. I, I think they were I think they were close. I think they were thinking about it. Um, but I think he was, uh, he might've been tied for first, uh, for a couple days, but I never got the, um, I never got the sense in talking to the people I have that he was the slam dunk leader. Mike, Mike, a couple times during your, um, response there, you said there's some other stuff with Sean Payton. You said there's a couple different things. You referenced the draft picks. We all know that, but he said, there's a couple other things. We had a couple hosts here come on mm-hmm. the air and say that the ownership group might have bristled at a couple personal off-the-field things with Sean Payton. Can you provide uh, or shed any light to that? No, no. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get into any of that. I, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes there's pers- personality. I think it's not not off-field stuff necessarily, just personality and fit and what you're looking for. And, you know, uh Penner, Penner comes from the corporate world and, you know, the, the CEO type. And, you know, there's a certain kind of CEO he's looking for 
to run the whole, to kind of oversee the whole football operations of the building. And maybe for, you know, whatever reason, he just didn't quite see a fit there. And I, I can't get so, uh, specific because I don't know any specifics. It just, um, you know, maybe there's not a match. And it does appear like, uh, you know, it does appear like right now anyway, uh, you know, Sean Payton's probably heading back to to Fox and, uh, you know, for a year. You know, you you want to know about motivation for a guy. You know, if if, if the guy's, uh, you know, is he motivated by money? You kept you kept hearing these twenty to twenty five million dollars salaries. Um, it, it's it's not unreasonable to ask for that, but is that you you wonder when you hear that is that the is that the reason why he's uh, motivated to get back into coaching? Hey, um, so yeah, you know, I don't know, I don't know the specifics, but. Um, uh, it wasn't, uh, from what I understand, it wasn't just the compensation where they just, where they cooled down a little bit on them. Hey, Mike, if I had to rank the nine candidates, and I'm going to include Jerry Rossberg in there, if I had to rank the nine candidates based on their ability to quote-unquote fix Russ, I think D'Amico Ryans would be ninth. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just think he'd be ninth. Is it fair for me to uh, interpret from this news in this direction that the ability to quote-unquote fix Russ wasn't that big of a motivation for the uh, for for Greg Penner and company during this process? Well, they'll have to, um, you know, his offensive coordinator, and uh, I guess I don't understand why he would be ninth when, um, you know, his defense is uh, num- number one. I mean, he's been a he's been a defensive coordinator twice or for two years, and he's, uh, you know, he's in the final four two years in a row, and uh, I, I think they were number three. In scoring defense last year, or our total defense, he's not the ninth best candidate. I, I, he's been he's been my guy for ever since Harbaugh backed out a, a week ago Monday. But I think in okay. terms of fixing Russell Wilson, he's ninth. Oh, like see. Jim Caldwell worked with you know quarterbacks, and he just he there's no obvious plan for how he's going to fix Russell Wilson. I guess is my point, which is not a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I just wanted to make sure I was interpreting that right. Yeah, you know, I think I think with uh, D'Amico Ryan's, it's more about uh, the leader. Uh, sure. Greg Penner is, is seeing a um, a special leader here, and I know that's hard to quantify, and that's something uh, you know you need a little bit of your your gut. But you know, uh, he he did go in with an open mind. Obviously, if D'Amico Ryan's uh, and he is uh, the front runner here. Um, he, you know, and he talked about it at that press conference when uh, Hackett was fired. You know, he was wanting a dynamic leader. Um, I can't remember exactly the words, but it was kind of a CEO type that he was looking for to oversee the uh, entire operation. And um, I think I think they think D'Amico Ryan's is someone special. I mean, he's been a leader. You know, you hear about he was a leader uh, his rookie year with Houston. Um, he was, he was drafted by the way, by Gary Kubiak and played six years for Gary Kubiak. Yep. Um, I'm guessing that Gary Kubiak uh, probably put in a, on a good word on D'Amico Ryan's, whether he can, um, he comes from the 49ers, you know, uh, but the team, the Broncos have uh, strong ties with, uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. And, um, you know, I, so I'm, I'm sure he got the right recommendations. 
as far as his ability to lead and ability to be a head coach. And uh, I don't know the guy. I'm just saying that uh, around the league, um, there's a lot of people thinking this guy's special uh, as far as his ability to lead a room full of men. All right. Wow. Um, This thing continues to take twists and turns here in the last couple weeks. And here we are at another uh, a, a new angle uh, as D'Amico Ryans is um, rising to the top of the candidate group. Mike, we appreciate your time, appreciate your reporting, and we'll catch up with you this time next week. Go get them, guys. See you, Mike. All right, that was Mike Kliss of Nine News on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. There is a lot to react to, and we'll do it next. <laughs> You're listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. All right, lots to react to. If you're just joining us, D'Amico Ryans has emerged as a top candidate. No, no, the top candidate. We clarified that. Well, he said a top candidate or the top candidate. But then Mike referred to him as the front runner. Okay. The front runner. Look, and I know we're we're it's kind seems of like we're splitting hairs yeah, here, yep, but it's a di- yep. there's a difference. Yep, between a front runner and the front runner, and he said the. And we 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 talked about this the first segment of the show. The fact that Mike released this article 20 minutes before we before we came on the air. Yeah, it's not really to report that D'Amico Ryan's is a top candidate. That's been understood. He's this far in the process. That was reported yesterday by multiple national guys that, hey, D'Amico Ryan's building momentum. He says a top candidate, but he means the top candidate. Yeah. Or you don't drop this two-and-a-half-page article. No, no, there'd be, there, there'd be no reason to. We're halfway through my victory lap. Uh, don't and, sprain your ankle. <laughs> and, I, I look, I couldn't be more excited about this, and that for a lot of reasons. One, I, I think he's the best candidate. I do, and I wrote about it at denversports.com. It was my Monday column, why he's the guy. I would su- I would suggest everybody in Broncos country go find the article that came out uh, a week and a half ago on the at the Ringer about D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, it, it's fascinating. You heard Kyle Shanahan talk about him yesterday. You know, look, I don't expect Kyle Shanahan to to throw him under the bus or say bad things about him, but you can answer the question without being effusive. Yeah, how far do you take the glow? Right, and, and if you just carry on about it, yeah, it's like okay, yeah. you're, you're putting your stamp of approval on it. All of these things add up to he's a great candidate. The the first time head coach thing to me always just reeked of being gun shy, and I don't think you should go through life being gun shy, right? Like, well, uh, well, there's some credence to it, right? Because it feels mm -hmm. like it feels like you can't screw this one up. Like the Broncos are at a really, really um, unfortunate intersection where you're trying to come out of this space that's this this cloud of six years now. And the three coaches that have been under that cloud were first-time candidates. I get it. So, I mean, there's uh, three of the four coaches still in it are first-time head coaches. Oh, Andy Reid's the only one that's not. Zach oh, you're Taylor saying, is, oh, you're talking about the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're first-time head coaching coaches. race. There's yeah. a lot of really good first-time head coaches yeah. in the league. Yeah. There have been. The Broncos have just made bad hires. You can make bad hires with former coaches. You can. Of course. Of course. Now, it's a little less chance. To me, it's the difference between... Drafting a college player is tough because you're trying to extrapolate. Signing an NFL free agent, it's not a 100%, but it's easier. You've seen him play against NFL players. That's a little bit of what's going on here. Jim Caldwell, you've seen him coach at the NFL level. You kind of know what you're getting. Uh, You haven't seen D'Amico Ryans do it. But I think to be scared away from the guy, if he's clearly your best candidate, if you did the interviews and he blew you away 
And everybody else was good, but that guy was so much better. And to say we're not going to go that route because Vic Fangio was a bad hire and we weren't even here, that would be silly to me. I think that's bad business, and I think that's bad decision-making. I think D'Amico Ryans is going to be a great candidate. I also love the fact that it appears as though Russell Wilson was zero part of this equation. That That's for sure. And I think that's great. And I'm Team Russ, and I think Russ is going to have a great year. But we just saw, if you want to learn anything from past mistakes that the Broncos have made, the most recent, and it's the one the Penners were here, was when they built everything around one guy. And, and, the, and the head coach wasn't hired for Russell Wilson because he was hired, what, two months before they made that trade? But, man, he acquiesced to Russell Wilson, and he did everything Russell Wilson wanted, and, the, and that blew up in their face. Go the other direction. Do what's best for the team, what's best for us, and not what's best for Russ. D'Amico Ryans is a sign that that's what they're doing. Ultimately, in a weird way, Zach, that's probably going to be best for Russ. It is. It might be. And that was what was best for Russ for a very, very long time. Yeah. And so I don't, I, I actually don't uh, mind at all ed- everything that you just said um, on the Russ front. Uh, I said, uh, well, have been saying that, like, I'm looking to make Russ uncomfortable. Like, Russ does not have a seat at the table. Russ is, Russ is a football player. We're going to hire a coach, a CEO, and that, that coach is going to run things. And hopefully D'Amico Ryans is is that guy if this keep keeps trending in, in this direction. Um, but, like, in terms of the um, hiring a first-time head coach or not, everything that you just said on the surface makes sense. And my my regular co-host, Stokely, has just been steadfast saying, like, you cannot hire a first-time head coach again. And I've been a little bit more pliable on that, not totally in your camp, but a little bit more pliable than, than a, a, a Stokely with his, like, I'm going to say rigid approach, but... The approach is, I think, the key word because I think this ownership group went into the process with a certain approach. It was widely reported on that they were looking for experience. That was the one word, and anything outside of experience is just um, that was just the key, the central, the central theme. And my fear is, and I'm just going to speak freely. I'm not, I'm not casting this on D'Amico Ryan's, but my fear is. You went into the process with a certain approach. You had a total departure from the approach. You end up with the least experienced coach in the mix. And what did it was words. Resume-wise, there's not enough here for D'Amico Ryans to be a head coach of, a, of an organization, I don't think. Doesn't mean it can't work. Um, but if I if I left the house for groceries because we planned on making a particular meal and it was me doing the shopping and I left the house and I said, okay, I need a, a strip steak. I need some green beans. I need all this. And then I come back with something completely different. My wife would be like, what the hell? You went out for this and you came back with this. Doesn't mean that what I brought back couldn't work uh, if, with ingredients and make a bang and meal. But I just, I question how, they got here, and we're going to be sold that this guy just knocked our socks off and all this stuff. But what I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, did you end up with D'Amico because yeah, you went aim for Jim Harbaugh that didn't work out. You aim for Sean Payton, there was some sort of disconnect there, and you sort of just kind of ended up here. Yeah, but if you went to the store for strip steak, you get there and it looks like it's been sitting in the case for three weeks and it's got mold growing on it. 
and there's these beautiful fillets and you come home with fillets, that means you're smart. That means you're not rigid and stuck to your plan of like, well, I said strip steak and I'm a robot and I got to get strip steak. You're like, no, the strip steak that everybody told me was going to be awesome isn't so awesome. And who is that? That's Sean Payton. Okay. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, the the guy before you bought the strip steak that still looked good, right? That's Jim Harbaugh. You you didn't have a chance trying to carry this analogy sure, out as far sure, as I sure, can. Sure, That makes sense. It, it's, not, it, it's not as though you're coming back with Skittles and, and, and nerds and potato <laughs> chips. <laughs> right. Right? Like my kids are going shopping. Right. So uh, that that part of it, I think, is I, I understand that you and you have to go into it with some sort of approach. Because it's literally the opposite. It is. Uh, and, uh, and everybody goes, you can say you're going into it completely open-minded. That's, that's false. Everybody has a bias. Right? Everybody goes into it thinking one thing. That's just human nature. I think the problem becomes if you're unwilling to see anything else because you're so tunnel visioned on that uh, bias that you went into it with. I think it's actually a good thing that they were willing to pivot here. That's an overused word nowadays, but that's what they did. Pivot when... If, the, if, if that was the case. We don't know. Well, okay, we don't. But I think two things change this, right? I think... I think Jim Harbaugh went back to Michigan. I think he was choice number one. I think they probably went into it in choice 1B with Sean Payton. I think they were thoroughly turned off by Sean Payton for some reason. Could have been the money. Could have been the off-field stuff. Could have been the charade of him going all over the country. Whatever. Something turned him off when it came to, to Sean Payton. Then it became, well, we have a bunch of kind of safe options. Jim Caldwell, David Shaw. And then there was the guy who just blew him away. And we'd be stupid not to hire him if the only reason we're not hiring him is because he's a first-time head coach and because John Elway picked bad first-time head coaches. And Sean, and George Payton picked a bad first-time head coach. Well, I didn't if I'm Greg Penner. So if you're new to a job and you can't, and you're supposed to hire somebody and you can't hire the guy you like because your pre- two predecessors hired somebody with a similar trait and missed it, that's, that's unfair to you. And that's a bad that's a bad approach to the hiring process, and it's bad for the company. I think this is a great thing because they hired the guy. Again, I think they didn't hire him yet. Well, they're going to. Sorry, good, good point. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's my victory lap. Just let me go. Right. Told you about that ankle. Don't strain it here. It is all about you. Either need to have the guy, and there's less and less of these who win by force of will. In modern sports, that's that's a characteristic that doesn't happen much. That's Vince Lombardi, Bill Parcells. They're kind of a a dying breed, for lack of a better term, or you got to be the smartest guy in the room. I think D'Amico Ryan's of the eight candidates is atop both of those lists. You watch him on the sidelines. You watch him engage with people. I love his personality. I love his enthusiasm. I love his excitement. And when you read the stories about how at Alabama they called him coach yep, because he knew what the offense was supposed to do. They had two different defenses. Two one, different defenses in Philly. One where D'Amico Ryans was out there and the other one where he wasn't. Two game plans. Yeah. If D'Amico's on the field, here's our game plan. If yeah. he's not, here's the one everybody else can run. Well, there's no doubt he's a smart guy. I mean, this is why he's in this he's conversation. Sm- I think he's the smartest guy in the room. I do. I, I think that you are um, – That's. I think that's a great leap. To assign him the smartest guy okay. in the room based on his personality and stuff on the sidelines. Well, hey, how smart is Sean Payton? Because he had this job. If he didn't blow it, he blew it. So how smart so, is he? So what happened there? What, <laughs> what, what? Hold on a second. What happened the step before we got here? Because we're missing something. We are. And, and we're going to take a dive into it coming up next. and Zach on Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan.
make this up because going in the last break, we're trying to understand, or I'm trying to understand rather, how we got here. How did we get here today? Where it is being reported really within the last 24 hours, a little bit yesterday and more heavy handedly today from Mike Cliss saying that D'Amico Ryans is the top candidate for the Denver Broncos job. I have been trying to frame this the right way because, and James Merrillat from DenverSports.com uh, filling in for Stoke today. You, D'Amico Ryans is your, has, has been, is and has been your guy. Yeah. Ever since Jim Harbaugh said he was going back to Michigan. Yeah. Cause Harbaugh, Harbaugh was initially, yeah. And, we, and we're synced up on that cause Harbaugh was my number one A unequivocally. And then I made my quick switch and now other people are jumping on the bandwagon. Which is fine. That's okay. Just, just remember who's, you know, the conductor of this train. So I'm okay with you being the conductor. I just want to make sure like the track that the train is on is of completely sound mind. And I, cause, it's been and, and the phrase I've been using is it's hard for me to reconcile. And even though you disagree, I think that you understand what I'm saying. It's hard for me to reconcile how you established a central theme of your coaching search. Experience, experience, experience. And then you hire the least experienced guy. Agreed. And I'm just saying how I, I understand they might have killed the interview, but he hasn't been coaching long at all. Like, let alone not being a head coach, has been coaching long at all. So I said, going to the last break, I said, how did we get here? We're missing something. I'm convinced of it. And I thought I knew what it was. And I'll share that with you here in a second. Okay. All right. I'm curious. Actually, actually let me share that first. Yeah. What did you think? I Obviously, thought, Harbaugh went back to Michigan. That We all yep, know that yep, one. That yep. was the first domino. I think it was a misstep for Sean Payton to share what he wanted his salary to be. And I think that really turned off Greg Penner. Okay. Well, look, I think there were several things that probably turned off Greg Penner with Sean Payton. I think it's pretty clear that they've kept this process close to the vest. I don't think he liked the salary getting out there. I don't think he liked Sean Payton telling Colin Cowherd that Russell Wilson contacted him. You and I talked about it last week. Yes. For all we know, Russell Wilson sent Dan Quinn a text too, right? Like, hey, good luck good luck with this DQ. Yeah. They have a relationship. Probably yeah. Could have happened. The maybe, only maybe. one we knew about was Sean Payton. Right. Because Sean Payton had to tell his buddy who was then going to go on the air and talk about it. Then we had the guy from the New Orleans Times-Picayune, Jeff Duncan, Duncan, saying, oh. saying the thing about the hunting, which clearly you can put two and two together and know where that came from. So it's like, okay, there's three or four leaks here that came from Sean Payton and it's out in the public. If you're that would that would annoy you. If you weren't averse to leaks and weren't averse to right. being a public thing, right, right, when you're trying to keep it all really contained, and you're doing a good job at it, very good job at it, to a point where we haven't heard anything for six days other than Sean Payton leaks that came from Sean Payton, that would clearly turn you off. That's the opposite of what you are and what you want, right? So, yeah, I don't think that's a stretch at all. By the way, you mentioned Jeff Duncan out of New Orleans. Um, he had a tweet about an hour before we came on the air that said, quote, heard some intel today that explains the recent going-ons with the Broncos coaching search. It all makes sense now. (laughs) That was the end of the tweet. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Um, Uh, Okay. Cryptic. That is the most cryptic thing. That's like the guy who's at the hospital and just says, oh, I can't believe I'm here and posting on Facebook. Like, right. come on, <laughs> right. can, you, right. can you tell us why and, you're there? And, and there's some people who do this, too. They just cast the widest <laughs> net possible. And it's like, it's an hmm. all-encompassing net. And it's like, well, what are you actually saying here? Yeah. No matter um, what happens, they're right. So, uh, D'Amico Ryans is now the front runner. okay? 
Well, how did we get here? That's it's my his question. Job to lose. And I think we got a little bit of clue of a clue from a certified reporter from the Washington Post who has been covering this coaching search for the Post, who tweeted 14 minutes ago. This is the connecting dot I've been missing. Quote, the Panthers are no longer an option for Sean Payton. And there was an issue with Payton's interview with the Broncos. Payton likes the idea of coaching Russell Wilson and having that defense, but fears a potential power struggle with a member of the ownership group, source says, end quote. Okay, so here, a lot to take from that. One, you, you can you can pull away from that. that clearly, there's some sort of disconnect between Sean Payton and the ownership group. I also look at this as that's Sean Payton trying to make it look like he didn't blow this, right? Like that he had a problem with some uh, somebody in the ownership group. He saw a potential conflict with somebody in the ownership group, and he thought, maybe that's not where I want to go, as opposed to Greg Penner, Condoleezza Rice, Kerry Penner, somebody going, nope, I don't like that, right? So he's trying to make it look like it was his decision. Okay, if it was his decision, like just logically think this out. As far as we know, those are the only three people he talked to. Greg Penner, Kerry Penner, Condoleezza Rice. Who on earth would he have a power struggle with? Well, 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 hold on a second. He never did the second interview. Well, so it wasn't which, Kerry Penner. It was George Payton. So let's just frame this the right way. Because okay. it was originally, he was supposed to You're get right. the second interview with Robson Walton. That's where Kerry Penner Kerry Penner and Greg Penner. His interview was with Greg Penner, Condoleezza Rice, and George Payton. Okay, so now it's only two options because that says ownership. Correct. It doesn't say he had a, somebody with the front office right. that he wasn't going to be able to get along with George right. Payton. And if he did, did not get along with George Payton, Sean Payton it was the one guy along with Jim Harbaugh that would have the equity to blow him out. But if you have a problem with a member of the ownership group, no one's blowing out a member of the ownership group. Okay, so I still think there are three candidates to, to where he could have had an issue with, though. If this is true, it could have been George Payton from the standpoint of Greg Penner could have made it clear George Payton ain't going anywhere, right? That could be a conflict with the ownership group in terms of power. Could be. If Sean Payton said, no, no, I want to bring in my guy, Bill, to be the GM. And they're like, no, we like George. We're keeping him around. Okay, maybe. I, I could buy that. But, boy, it sure didn't sound at the Nathaniel Hackett is gone press conference like George Payton was in that kind, those kind of graces with Greg Penner. It didn't. It did not. Maybe it's changed, but that could be. I also don't believe that Greg Penner would have conveyed or Condoleezza Rice would have conveyed to Sean Payton that I'm going to be up in your business when you're trying to run this team. I, I just find that hard to believe. But we're still getting to know them. We don't know them very well. So I just want to throw that out there. I'm you're not right. saying that you're wrong, but we're in the infancy in getting to know this ownership group. But what I, I don't understand what the power struggle could be with Greg Penner. Or with Condoleezza Rice. I, I don't understand it. And again, maybe I'm missing it, but I don't get what that could possibly be. There is a report, if you're just joining us, within the last 15 minutes coming out of the Washington Post in that would lead us to believe why the relationship with Sean Payton and the Broncos fell through. A potential power struggle between Sean Payton and who? We'll try to make some sense of this coming up next.